This is Clint Arnoldus, President and CEO of Central Pacific Bank. And what do you feel that our listeners can gain from listening to Greater Good Radio? It's inspirational and it's instructive. And those are often two things that are hard to combine. If you can come away with that, you've really got a winning combination and you've really done something good. And so I think as people get more and more opportunity to listen, they will. And, and also, I like the fact that if I'm listening to an interview and I don't have time to listen through your whole program, I know I can go pick it up through many other outlets and it's available. I think people know that the message is there. There's a library people can go into. You, know, you have so many different kinds of guests on this program that have so many different views and come from so many different disciplines. You know, it's, it's a great library. It's a great resource to be able to go to and, and really study and see what made people who they are and what would make sense for you to learn from and to emulate. Greater Good Radio. I use it as a rule of thumb that I'm trying to get about five times my money in three years or ten times my money in five years. Hi, we can design your home in one minute or less. Inspire. If you are doing your passion on a daily basis, then you're never going to have to work a day in your life. Greater Good Radio, brought to you by Central Pacific Bank. Here's the Royal Banking. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where we develop tomorrow's leaders by bringing you up close and personal with today's top business people. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. Today's show is brought to you by Central Pacific Bank, fiercely loyal banking. Mahalo, Evan. Today's guest is Terrence George, Vice President and Executive Director of the Harold K. Elf Castle Foundation. He also serves on the board of the Entrepreneurs Foundation of Hawaii and the National Kidney Foundation of Hawaii. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio, Terrence George. Welcome to our show, Terrence. Oh, thank you very much. Delighted to be here, Carrie. So you have an interesting story about how you got into the field of helping people. Could you share that with our listeners, please? I sure could. Um, after finishing school at Punahou in 1976 and going on to Stanford University, um, I kind of wondered why I was there and fell into a small volunteer program called Volunteers in Asia, which is headquartered at Stanford, set up by social entrepreneurs about 40 years ago, and it gave students both during their undergraduate years and after they graduate an opportunity to teach and live in, uh, in, in an Asian country. And I got the opportunity to spend six months in Sumatra as an English teacher to help nurses and doctors keep up with the latest literature on public health. And it completely turned around my ideas of what I wanted to do. Um, it humbled me. When I came in, I was very clear about what's right and what's wrong with the world, uh, pretty much on the politically radical side, and it began to see more of the gray issues. Here was an authoritarian government that was investing heavily in public health and uh, pr primary education, and it caused me to go back to Stanford, work on international relations, so I could figure out as an American and a resident of Hawaii how I might be able to give back to other parts of the world, um, and in the end, they gave, way, gave back way more than I ever received. 
Are you able to share with us what you saw when you went to Sumatra? Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, I was in a province of two million people. There was one gynecologist and one main paved road. Uh, so that meant for most women, if they had difficulties in labor, they needed to borrow all the money that they had in order to take a speedboat up to the capital city where that gynecologist was based. So I learned about how difficult life was for a lot of people, but I also learned how people had learned to support each other and uh, get through some of the difficulties in life. I also found out that the poorer people were, the more generous they were. And I remember one day in particular, way deep in the jungle um, on a river trip with uh, specialist doctors to go see people in the countryside, I had an opportunity to wander around on the other side of the river, and there was a couple that invited me to come into their home, which was built only with bamboo. All their possessions were in a small cardboard suitcase, except for a radio, and they gave me basically everything they had to give, which was tea and um, fruit, and I was just touched by that generosity. So what path were you on prior to going on this um, adventure in Sumatra? Was it like iBanking, or what were you thinking about doing? Well, I started as a music major at Stanford and figured that I'd probably end up doing law or something like that. Um, but after that, I very quickly moved to international relations, which was a brand new field and allowed for true interdisciplinary education, pulling in just about any discipline you wanted. Um, and I just really focused a lot on Southeast Asia, on economic and political development in Asia, and the U.S.'s role in providing aid and assistance to developing countries. So after you came back and you started studying uh, international relations, then where did that path take you? Well, it was fun because here I am coming back to Hawaii telling my dad, Dad, I know you've invested a lot in my education at Stanford, and what I've decided I want to do is get fluent in the Indonesian language, Bahasa Indonesia. Uh, it's an important country, and uh, it's fascinating, and by learning that language, I can talk to another 150 million people in the world. And, of course, he's probably toting up everything that he and my mom had saved up to send me there and thinking, my gosh, I wish the guy was studying Japanese or Chinese or business, and here he is interested in Southeast Asia and helping people. But in the end, I think by following my own passion, I was able to carve out a vocation that was meaningful for me. I was also influenced by a mentor named Dwight Clark, who was head of this volunteer program, who lived very simply. And he taught me that if you've learned to simplify and reduce your wants and simplify your needs, then your vocational possibility expand exponentially. And guess what? That means you can be an entrepreneur and afford to fail. Because if basically you're, you're, you have what I saw many Indonesians not having, which was enough food to eat, basic health care, and a roof over your heads, then, you know, you could focus on what Maslow says is the search for meaning. And I was able to search, focus on that. And everything else really fall, fell into place after that. So that's an interesting topic because it seems that you got to that perspective pretty early in life. A lot of people need to get through that eagle stage or the stage where they're earning a, a substantial amounts of income before they can get near that self-actualization period. Yeah, I was really fortunate that way. I, mean, um, I had a lot of friends who went into law school and medical school, and they found a way to give back sort of after the fact. And what I was able to do was to sort of create a – a work career for myself in which my community work and my work work were one and the same. And so I've been really fortunate. And right now, of course, I feel like I have one of the best jobs in Hawaii because I get to wake up every 
morning and say, what can I do now in this position to help invest Mr. Harold Kale Castle's money in making Hawaii a better place? And that's a lot of fun because I get to meet some of the most dedicated, smart, passionate um, people who are unwilling to give up on trying to really turn the corner on a particular social or environmental problem. You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Today's guest is Terrence George, Vice President and Executive Director of the Harold K.L. Castle Foundation. He also serves on the board of the Entrepreneur Foundation of Hawaii and the National Kidney Foundation of Hawaii. Please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Our show is brought to you by Central Pacific Bank, fiercely loyal banking. So before we talk about the Castle Foundation, can you maybe go into a little bit about how you develop that perspective of of going and doing something that you're passionate about and making your life as opposed to making your career and then making your yeah. life? Well, um, one of my, my long-held beliefs is that you know we have an opportunity to give back to the rest of the world what we don't have, and and I think we actually have a duty to help each other and help those who are less fortunate than we are. And I think I, I, I found that in my own faith. I grew up at... Uh, in the congregational church, and there was a lot of talk about how we can help those who are less fortunate. And you know what? It feels good when you're helping somebody else. And so I wanted to feel good more. Maybe it's an endorphin incentive to to do good, and I think that's part of what inspires all of us. You feel connected when you do something that's 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 meaningful and and that makes a difference, especially when you can do it in a way that you're not you're not giving a handout to someone, but you're actually giving a hand up, and you end up really learning as much from those you're helping as the other way around. Um, I also think, Evan, that uh, the time, the era when I was at Stanford was really useful. It was the middle of the 70s. Vietnam War uh, had just, we had we just left Vietnam. Um, there had been a history of protests there and at Berkeley. So there's still a fair amount of social awareness. But what, what was really cool was I was in the middle of Silicon Valley. And it was just this hotbed of people starting companies all over the place. And you know what? It infected the university and it infected the nonprofit organizations around. So virtually everybody had half a dozen ideas that they were trying out, and they were fine just hanging out there and being willing to fail. And that allowed me to think of my own vocational work to serve others in an entrepreneurial way. What do you suggest for people out there that are trying to figure out a way to help others and earn a decent living and a decent uh, lifestyle and support their family here in Hawaii where you know it's extremely expensive to live? It really is. I think people need to focus on family first. There's no question because if you've if you've got what you need to make your family strong, then and only then do you have enough in um, in yourself to give to others. Um, but it doesn't cost very much, either in time or money, to do something that's meaningful for others. I know great people who volunteer one hour a week tutoring at Pololo School. And that one hour a week is so meaningful for the kids who are tutored because they get sort of a supportive adult in their life. And that's one of the things that we've learned in the education field, and I'm, I'm involved in that in the Harold Castle Foundation and our youth opportunities work. Basically, when young people have one caring adult in their life, that's all they need to develop a sense of hope and a sense of self-esteem. So you know what? You can spend one hour a week and do a, a heck of a lot. And the range of volunteer opportunities is huge. Uh, those who are interested in finding out more about how to do that can just talk to friends. Uh, many of the top business leaders in Hawaii um, are tremendous volunteers, and somehow they've been able to juggle family and a stupendous career and community service. And I think it'd be worth people out there to talk to their bosses and say, how do you do it? Find a mentor, find a model, and try stuff out. 
So the Harrod K.L. Castle Foundation, are you able to tell us about your involvement with that? Sure. Um, this foundation was started in 1962 by Harold K.L. Castle, um, the owner of Kaneohe Ranch and developer of much of Kaneohe and Kailua. Um, and he basically initially granted land to the foundation, and the income from that land was used to make grants. And the first grants were like $500 to the YMCA and $500 here and there. Uh, but as the income from the land grew and uh, fees were purchased um, by owners of the homes and the developments that he had uh, created in Kaneohe and Kailua, the foundation really de- developed a set of resources that were beyond probably Harold Castle's wildest imaginations. This allows us now to invest around $7 million a year in the community in, in, in the making of grants. One thing that's really important, folks think, oh, you know, giving away money, that must be really easy and really fun. Um, it's really fun, but it's not easy at all when your job is not to make grants and just write a check to a nonprofit, but your job is to really make Hawaii a fundamentally better place. And it's already a great place, but a couple of the areas that we're focusing on now are um, public education redesign so that every kid, no matter where they live in Hawaii, no matter what their family and community is like, has the opportunity for a great education. Um, the second is bringing back our fish in our nearshore marine coral ecosystem areas because we've had major drops of um, fish prevalence. We've had problems in the coral reefs, and if we want Hawaii to be the way it used to be, then we need to learn how to manage those resources the way they were managed very, very well 200 years ago. And then the third area um, of focus is giving back to Windward Oahu from Kahuku to Waimanalo, and that's a lot of fun. We're able to fund a wide range of, of initiatives. We have a small staff, so we keep our administrative costs low, um, and we have to say no to a lot of great things, but we get to say yes to stuff, and we get to be deal makers. And I just wanted to link uh, our work with the work in the business world. It's not that different. You make deals, you find partnerships, you spot opportunities. One of the things that's not so uh, well done by many nonprofits is the area of marketing and being more customer-focused. So we get to serve as sort of management consultants, and where we sit, we get to see the broad horizon of work that's being done in a particular field. So sometimes, say, if, Carrie, if you're doing some great work in one school and, Evan, you're doing great work in another, I try to get you two together to talk because when you get dedicated people together, then there's that synergy effect, and I'm sh- I know we see that in business too. Thanks, Terrence. We'll talk more about that after the break. Stay tuned for more on Sports Radio 1420. This is Clint Arnoldus, President and CEO of Central Pacific Bank, and you're listening to Carrie and Evan on Greater Good Radio, Hawaii. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. Greatergoodradio.com. What does coaching have to do with running a business? Welcome to the Money Minute from Central Pacific Bank. Today we're talking with Sherry Lee, commercial banker. Whenever we hear the word coach, we usually think of the folks who teach our kids soccer or baseball or some other sport. But coaches aren't just for kids. There are business coaches out there who can help you guide your company. Like a soccer coach providing motivation to a team, 
a good business coach can energize you with new ideas and new growth strategies. That includes analyzing industry trends and developing your network of contacts. Most importantly, a business coach can provide you with an objective outside opinion, free from the emotions that come with being an owner. Just like in sports, good coaching may be just what you need for your business to win consistently. Today's Money Minute is brought to you by Central Pacific Bank, where you'll always find bankers that are fiercely loyal to you. Central Pacific Bank, member FDIC. This is Gail Jennings from HawaiiDiner.com and EverybodyEats.org. I read selectively all of the papers, but I tend to read more of the columns at Star Bulletin. A lot of it is I like Erica Engel. I like her column, The Buzz. I get good information from that. I like their coverage of the different issues. I like the Star Bulletin. Would you recommend other people to read Star Bulletin? Absolutely. I think we need to be as informed as possible. This is Jim Tollefson, President and CEO of the Chamber of Commerce of Hawaii. I definitely would recommend the Chamber of Commerce to others. The benefits are that you get to meet other businesses, you get to work together with other businesses, and help you improve your business to make more money to be successful. If you're not a member already, you can give me a call, 545-4300, extension 388. I invite you to join us in creating a better Hawaii, a Hawaii that's better for us, for our children, and for the future. Terrence George, Vice President and Executive Director of the Harold K. L. Castle Foundation. So before break, Terrence, you were telling us about your involvement with the foundation. Mm-hmm. And before getting started with the show, you mentioned about venture capital. Right. Um, can you tell us about how you're involved as a venture capitalist and how you've been involved with some of the businesses that um, are related to a social mission? You bet. Um, I learned a lot from people like Jeffrey Watanabe and Connie Lau, who were longtime, are still longtime board members of the Consuelo Zobel Alger Foundation or Consuela Foundation, which is headquartered right in Chinatown here in Honolulu, but does a tremendous amount of work in the Philippines as well as Hawaii. And I learned a lot from them. They brought a set of analytical tools to their work and a set, an ability to ask very probing questions and to be extremely supportive and sensitive to those who are more disadvantaged. And I think that those analytical skills, the ability to look beyond the horizon, beyond the next quarter, was really, really important for me in my own work. As I mentioned, uh, in the foundation, you're sort of a venture capitalist for social change. And that means that you need to seek out opportunities in the field. You sometimes need to create new entities. You need to challenge people to think differently. We're often trying to challenge people. They come in for a $10,000 grant to do something relatively small, we say, why not do it about 10 levels more? What would it take for you to have an impact uh, on thousands of young people rather than dozens? And it's really fun to do that. And then we have those people tinker with it for a while and get back to us. Sometimes, though, we have to make folks more, uh, help folks get more disciplined. I'll give you one example of that. There's a great nonprofit here called Helping Hands Hawaii. 
It does a tremendous amount of work for, among others, uh, people suffering from mental illness. And it turned out that they wanted to provide a service on the windward side of Oahu because their service is mostly located in Kalihi, and the windward folks were traveling by bus, and uh, that was a challenge. So first they asked us for a, a, a couple of vans to drive people. We said we don't do that. Second, they said, well, how about if we establish a whole office and provide a whole set of integrated services for these folks closer to where they live? Uh, We said, how much is that going to cost? They said about $200,000 a year. We said, how are you going to sustain it? Once we are done with our grant, let's say we make a three-year grant, we're going to kill a great program unless you have a, a really sustainable plan for financing it after that. Why don't instead of giving you $200,000, let us give you $12,000 to hire someone to do a business plan for you. So Andrew Aoki of Three Point um, Consulting, who I believe has been on this show too, um, or is coming on, um, drafted a business plan with Helping Hands Hawaii. They'd never done a business plan before, and they convinced us that they were going to be able to make a go of it because I think when you serve the public, you have an obligation to the public to figure out how you're going to be able to continue to serve them if the need is going to continue. And there are foundations, but there aren't very many in Hawaii. And we can't be relied on for year in, year out, ongoing operating support. So they came back with a bang-up business plan. And what we decided to do was to give them three years of startup support, after which they'll uh, they'll stay alive based on the viability of their plan. So that's an example of giving um, sort of a business spin to our philanthropic investment. You know, Bill Gates uh, was quoted as one saying, that it's much harder for him and his foundation to give money away without doing damage than it was to actually make it. A lot of people don't understand this concept. Can you maybe share what your view on this is? Well, as, as I said, part of the problem of philanthropy when you start out is often that you're tempted to go in a million different directions because there's so many huge needs and great people out there that you want to do all things for everybody. But then your impact ends up being a mile wide and an inch deep. So what Bill Gates's family decided to do was to focus, focus, and focus. 93% of their grant making in 2004 focused on only two things, breaking up big, bad high schools and making them smaller, more supportive uh, schools or starting newer, small high schools in the United States. And they want to do about 10,000, and they're almost there. And second was to, to provide tremendous um, amount of funding for public health research into some of the key public health challenges today, uh, including AIDS and malaria and tuberculosis. And I'll tell you, they've had a huge impact by being focused. So you do less damage when you're focused. You also have a greater impact when you know the impact that you're trying to achieve and you have a way to track it. Unlike business, it's harder for us to track on a quarterly uh, quantitative basis our success. And yet we've got to figure out some metric in order to determine whether we're really turning the corner or not. Um, And that's part of the fun and part of the challenge. The problem is with foundations, you tend uh, tend to not have very many people willing to criticize you or provide uh, constructive (laughs) criticism, and we need that, and I'd encourage folks to do that. I'd also encourage um, young people today who are maybe – 10 years into business or so, to really join a board of a nonprofit organization because you can add a tremendous amount of value. Uh, business has some of the um, most uh, effective thinking about marketing, about making strategic changes based on upcoming changes in the market, and we need that in the nonprofit world. 
You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Today's guest is Terrence George, Vice President and Executive Director of the Harold K. L. Castle Foundation. He also serves on the board of the Entrepreneurs Foundation of Hawaii and the National Kidney Foundation of Hawaii. Please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Our show is brought to you by Central Pacific Bank, fiercely low banking. So Terrence, can you tell us maybe some examples that you see how businesses can implement either a social mission or team up with a nonprofit to make a difference and have it still impact their, I guess, their so-called bottom line? A couple of things I can tell you. One is uh, from a big company, Kaiser Hawaii, um, has created a program that we've provided partial support for while they're uh, planning to fully support it in the future. And it's a program that uh, allows all the folks who are on Kaiser plans to have their kids from birth through, I think, all of their well-baby visits to be furnished with a set of age-appropriate books to encourage reading aloud to the child. And research has shown that one of the most important things you can do to secure the educational success of your child later in life is to read to them as much as you can in those early months and years, really, even before preschool. Um, and Kaiser's made a commitment to this, um, and our foundation made a startup grant to help them expand their work. They just took it upon themselves to get it started. They were following on a model that Kaiser in California had developed and is now fully funding just out of their corporation. So that's one example from a big company. From small companies, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Entrepreneurs Foundation of Hawaii. Um, this is a, a foundation whose job is to help create the next generation of corporate philanthropists in Hawaii. Um, it's designed for startup companies, not necessarily just technology companies, but companies that are just uh, just starting out, relatively new, haven't yet had a liquidity event, either you know an IPO or getting bought out, but um, who agree to set aside a certain amount of shares that currently aren't worth very much, but might be in the future. And the deal is that once they do achieve a liquidity event, Half those shares stay with them, and they're able to create a their own corporate foundation or maybe a donor-advised fund in the Hawaii Community Foundation. And the other half stay with the Entrepreneurs Foundation that allows it to go reach, reach out and help others directly through grants and also through signing up more companies. And a lot of the up-and-coming companies in the future are already there. Hoku Scientific was the first company that uh, is a member of Entrepreneurs Foundation that did have a liquidity event, and it'll be really interesting to see what they decide to do the neat thing is when you're starting up a company, the last thing you have time to deal with is what sort of community legacy you want to leave beyond just securing that next tranche of financing to stay alive, right? And yet most people really want meaning, um, and they want to have that legacy. And this is an easy way for them to uh, get help to start that even before they have time. It also allows the company's staff to learn about volunteer opportunities that they might be able to engage in in the limited time they have. Um, and it's been a really interesting new model in Hawaii. We'll see how it goes in the coming years, but I have a lot of hope for its success. How about for individual entrepreneurs, people that are feeling like maybe they're so busy doing what they're doing now, they mm -hmm. don't feel like they have time to you know, do these community things or be involved with nonprofits, and they think maybe later on, after I make it big, then I'll do that kind of thing. Right. What ideas do you have for something like that? Oh, gosh, there's a million. Um, I think for people who are really Internet savvy, there's a lot of ways that you can provide assistance now uh, through the Internet, and you can find out what's out there that's going on that will really strike your fancy. There are also, I think, important 
new avenues that we need to create in Hawaii for individuals to uh, provide resources that really have to do with their own background and their own strengths and inspire others. That includes but is not limited to service on a nonprofit board. Uh, when you're busy or when you're traveling a lot, it can be difficult to join too many boards, and I've tried to limit my own board service, although I'd love to serve on more. Um, I just don't have the time right now in my family life, and I think that's true of a lot of individuals, high-wealth individuals. What they can contribute is inspiration, though and guidance and advice. And I think that if we could figure out how we could develop a conversation among the entrepreneurs in the nonprofit world and the entrepreneurs in the for-profit world, you know, there's not that much that's different among among them um, in terms of the willingness to start something new, the ability to make the connections and get things started, um, and then the willingness also to let go after it's successful and try something else that's new. And I think we need to figure out maybe through programs like this, how we might be able to make that connection. For a company that's um, already running successfully, how would you go about getting involved in the community? Would you just say, just find something that you might be passionate about? For example, you know, collecting cell phones at your location and giving back that way? Or mm-hmm. do you think that it has to be a business plan that's formed on that path? I think there's a couple of things that... Uh, uh, a well-off large company can do, even a medium uh, company can do. Um, Basically, ask the employees what they want. Figure out how you can uh, stimulate the philanthropic creativity of your employees and ask them the question, or maybe in groups, uh, focus groups, find out what do they know uh, that uh, is going on out there that really could benefit from the involvement of that that corporation. I also think it would be useful for uh, many companies find uh, that they do – corporate philanthropy in line with their marketing work. And I personally believe, although I have mostly been on the nonprofit side of the fence in in the working world, I have a feeling that if you don't connect it with marketing, but you connect it instead with what the greatest community needs are, the marketing will take care of itself and your image will 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 increase. And there's there's abundant examples of this. I think one really good one was um, after nine one one, several of the banks uh, opened up every single branch and allowed people to contribute to a fund to help the victims of 911 in partnership with the Hawaii Community Foundation and not allow little kids to take in their pennies and just drop it in the, at, at the nearest bank. And it took advantage of the corporate infrastructure in the communities that the banks had. It uh, connected with the philanthropic impulse that people had, um, and it just made for good business. Thank you so much, Terrence George, for coming in and visiting us on Greater Good Radio Hawaii. For more information on today's show or transcript, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host, Evan Leong and Carrie Leong, saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio Hawaii. This show is brought to you by Central Pacific Bank. Fiercely loyal banking.